lately? The line between real life and movies has begun to blur. There are times when I'm pounced upon by a memory. The cracked rearview mirror of the first car I ever owned, say. Or the ghostly dance of a curtain in front of an open window when I was small and impressionable and plastered in bed with a fever. Or the teasing curve of a man's lips. A man whose kiss I must have known at some time in my life. And the longer I dwell on the memory, the less certain I am of its origin. Is the memory really mine? Or is it borrowed from a movie I've written? Was the curtain dancing because there was an electric fan off camera, trained at precisely the right angle? Were the man's lips curving as they came near mine? Or were they moving closer to the camera lens instead? More and more, I can't always tell the difference. And I'm not quite sure how I feel about that, to tell the truth. On the one hand, it might be easier to live the rest of my days believing all my memories, particularly the bad, were invented for someone else to experience on screen. On the other hand, if I can't claim as my own the memory of Fred's head always ending up on my pillow during the night, as if he simply couldn't stand to be apart from me for even the span of his dreams, how on earth would I ever be able to fall asleep again? And the number of people who might be able to place the memories firmly into either category, real or cinematic, is dwindling. No, not dwindling, Fran. That's a prissy word. Say what you mean. They're dying. Your friends, your colleagues, all the Hollywood relics, like yourself, dying off. Like old war horses put out to pasture. Like plants that have hung around far too long in the florist's window. Even on those occasions when I knew that I was most certainly standing in front of a real house, one I had visited many times before, and that I was being cooled by an actual breeze and not studio fans, I couldn't help but touch the rough stucco on the wall just to make sure I couldn't poke my finger through it. And so I did. Touch it. Then I rang the doorbell again. I'm sorry to have kept you waiting, Miss Marion. A liveried butler opened the door, catching me as I poked at the stucco once more. He squinted at me cautiously, as if I really were the dotty old lady I must have seemed. Miss Pickford is not receiving visitors today. You told her it was me, Francis, that I asked for her? For Squeeby? Yes, Miss Marion. Miss Pickford still says she is not receiving visitors today. Is she? 
Is she ill? The butler looked down at his polished shoes and declined to answer. I glanced at my watch and considered my options. Should I walk away, leave, and let the tragedy play itself out? After all, the last time I'd tried, I'd been insulted and thrown out of the house. That time I'd vowed I'd never come back. Yet here I was, trying to revise the tragedy one more time, like a fool, a sentimental old fool. Closing my eyes, I pictured my small apartment, the cool tiled floors, the plush embrace of my sofa, a nice tall glass of iced tea at hand, maybe dozing to the comforting chatter of The Edge of Night or another of my soap operas. Because I really was too ancient for this, this arduous, thankless business of saving. And where had Mary been when I needed saving so long ago? Here, as a matter of fact, hiding behind this very closed door. So why was I knocking on it now? <laughs>